MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You ready to check your feelings at the door? Check it out. Check it out. This is Am I Reister or Am I Raw? We're bringing you facts and only the truth now. Am I Reister or Am I Raw? I'm George Reister, he's Ralph Amsden, and this is Reister or Wrong, the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. And today, um, an interesting thing. Uh, um, I have a hypothetical, fictitious thing that may or may not have happened. Uh, between Colorado and Colorado State. Um, OnlyFans decides to cut off $5 billion worth of revenue and don't know how that's going to work out. Um, ACC, Pac-12, and the Big Ten are going to announce an alignment or an alliance very soon. Let's just hope it's not like Dwight Schrute and Jim in the office. Uh, at the U, the University of Miami, there was a murder 15 years ago, and it has generated an arrest, finally. Um, and the Jeopardy host is out after choosing himself on some level to be the new host. Um, and of course, that's con- cancel the consequences, and we will have the best of social media. So, Ralph, um, oh, 
First thing, you guys leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Um, yeah, leave a great review and share, most importantly. And you guys can shoot us a text message, 818-293-7547. Or you can shoot us an email, I'm mad, I-M-M-A-D, at unafraidshow.com. All right, Ralph. Yes. Okay, let's say, right? If I told you that a team was down three goals in soccer, 50 minutes into a game, okay. there was a, let's say, a lightning strike that stopped the game, and then it was deemed safe for play again, but then one team decides they're not getting off the bus and refuses to play because they're down three to zero, and then that team uh, ends up getting a no contest in the game because of an obscure, an obscure rule to avoid what actually happened on the field. What would you say about that? I would say that that, that sounds pretty scandalous. Who would do that? Uh, what do you mean? That's what Colorado State would do because that's what they did to the University of Colorado. <laughs> Down three goals... 50 minutes into a soccer match, it gets postponed for lightning. Teams go to the buses. Uh, when Colorado State, it, when it's time to come back off the bus, they <laughs> cite a rule that says that they don't have that, that says that if you don't play at least 70 minutes of the game, then it doesn't count. And instead of coming back off the bus and playing an additional 20 minutes, they refuse to get off. This is weak <laughs> as hell, Ralph. Weak as hell. Is it or is it crafty? Because it, it feels like it feels like the video game thing of where you like accidentally bump the um, bump the system reset button when you're down three touchdowns. Madden, like yeah. oh, I guess we'll know <laughs> and win the yeah. game. Dude, they they scored. Colorado scored three goals by three different players in the first 28 minutes of the game. This is the first game of the season. And then they pulled this out of their ass, bro. Do you? This reminds me, uh, like first of all, it's super weak. The audacity that you have to be like, no, we're we're not getting off the bus. You should have to forfeit. There is no way that you should be allowed to get away with this. I, okay. I was, what? I uh, know. I just. I. I mean. This isn't something you'd try to pull if you were a coach. Your team's no. down bad. No? No, bro. There's not a there's not a chance in hell because your team knows that you lost. That you were getting your ass whooped. There's no way around it. Like you can't pretend like it didn't happen. Everybody saw it. So your entire team knows. So you can't act like it didn't it didn't happen. That's the problem. So let's let's try to see things from their view. Um, so I, I looked it up and it said Colorado State wanted a full 30 minutes of warm up time, but the Rams were told they'd only get 17 minutes. So they didn't get off the bus and pointed to the rule book as the loophole as to why. And they avoided taking the L because they hadn't reached the 70 minute mark over a 13-minute um, dispute. Do you 
more sympathy for them now? No, absolutely not, bro. They, them asking for a 30-minute warm-up was just a another stall tactic. Weak as hell, dude. And if my kid was a part of that team, I would be questioning the uh, coach because you have to take your medicine. Like it, It's different if it's something that's unfair or the other team has an advantage or something. No, dude, they just kicked you in the teeth, and you got to be okay with that. Yes, I here's who I feel bad for um, Shira James, Jade Babcock, Chi and Sinead Hopcroft all scored in the match. And none of those stats will count. Yeah, so they scored goals in a rivalry and they don't count for their career statistics okay. because CSU wouldn't get off the bus. OK, now now here's another question is, is how much. Do you think that this plays into like a rivalry? Like if if this happened between, you know, LSU and Alabama in football, Alabama's up three touchdowns and then LSU refuses to come out and then they get a no contest and a do over later. How would that play out? (laughs) That'd be a really big deal. This is a really big deal. I think. I think that what I would love to see is the next time these two get together, because they're only like an hour apart, um, these two schools in Fort Collins and Boulder. The next time the two of them get together, I would love to see, uh, COVID permitting, full stands of pissed off students. I would yeah. love that. Dude, they should be trolled for eternity on on, on this. And the coach should be shamed by their, their peers and everybody else, because this is lame as hell. Let right. me see. Let me see when the next time they play, <laughs> so that we can we can be prepared for when it goes down. It doesn't look like they play again this year. That's so cheap. Exactly. That's so they're cheap. not even in the same conference. Oh, that's terrible. Yep. All right. Uh, the next thing up, OnlyFans. Uh, Ralph Ralph has a platinum subscription there, um, and they Bro, are banning. What? <laughs> Wait, what? A platinum subscription? Is that even a thing? I don't know. I wouldn't know either. But thanks for telling everybody that I... Um, uh, OnlyFans is banning explicit content to align with banks and payment service guidelines when 2 million creators have earned over $5 billion worth of money that would have gone to a, a large portion of that would have gone to pimps, human trafficking, uh, production companies and all of that stuff. And that, that now these, uh, because a good portion of them would, would you call it sex work, even though it's internet based because, because there I is mean, porn I guess. on it. Like I mean, there, I there get- are people having sex with other people, but some of them are just putting up bikini pics, naked pics, uh, all of uh, that. Okay, so I did not know that. I, I knew OnlyFans existed. I fully understand what it is. I don't have an account, though 120 million people do, and you do you. Um, but That's a lot of uh, people, bro. So in order to be able to talk about this, I had to research it. So now that's in my Google history, and that's going to be a fun thing to explain to my wife. Like, it's for research. <laughs> um, I, I, but, I only subscribe that way 
And so, but so you're asking me the question that you're asking me is if this, if OnlyFans took people off the street and out of dangerous situations, maybe. But mostly, I just think it took people out from behind the counter at H and M. I think it got more people into this line Ooh. of work than would have ever been in it in the first place. I would agree with that because you can ha- have some sort of anonymity if you are a normal person, right? Because if you market your only fans and it's not your real name, you wear wigs, all this kind of kind of stuff, you may be able to stay somewhat anonymous in your hometown because because Joe Blow or Joette Blow who is watching your your stuff isn't going to be like, hey, yo, that's that's Tisha Doll. I subscribe to you, you know, at the grocery store. They're not going to do that because they're probably going to be with their family or friends or whatever, which they may not want to divulge. So you're saying it's a mutually assured destruction. The fact that Pakistan and India both have nukes means no one fires nukes. Exactly. So you're saying if somebody who ha- is an OnlyFans creator and somebody who is an OnlyFans consumer run into each other and they're both with their families at like a Marie Callender's, no one's going to say anything. No, no, okay. no. They're going to be that. That is strictly a thought. I guarantee it. If, okay. they, if, if they were alone, if they were alone, they might say, hey, yo, I subscribe to you. Great, 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 great content. I love it. And she's going to be like, did you donate? And he's going to be like, I will, I will now. So, yeah, man, I, I don't, here's the deal. Personally for me, um, I guess it's a way to make a living. I'm not, I, I don't think shaming it is the right answer. It's not, it's not for me. And even if it was for me, um, probably maybe too cheap of a person to, to walk past the buffet table to hit the vending machine and pay for a snack, right? Like if the, if the food's free and it exists in the world for free, am I going to pay for something what that I can you, get for free? What do you I, mean I by that? I don't understand, Ralph. Like, I'm pretty sure you could probably find pornographic content on the internet if that's what you're looking for um, without having to pay a subscription. And so, yeah, but I'm it's saying not it, for that particular person, because it's like, no, there's somebody it's I not saw a curated the experience. That, okay. Yeah. I think that she's hot or I think that he's hot. So I'm going to subscribe to it. And mind you, there are men on here too. This is not exclusively uh, a, a female enterprise. Right. I don't know, man. I don't know how much, I don't want to say anything judgmental. I know what's for me and I know what's not for me. And I, I, I'll say this. I waste an inordinate amount of time. And that's not to say that people who are doing this are wasting time. But I waste an inordinate amount of time following a couple of Toyota Forerunner fan accounts on Instagram. What? Yeah, dead ass serious. Uh, let me see if I can. I got my phone right here. Let me see if I can pull up one of the accounts. Why so, are you following Toyota Forerunner accounts? Okay, so I will get <laughs> I'll get to that. That that's a legitimately great question because uh, and and you could even say, Ralph, you have a couple of vehicles. Why would you be looking at other vehicles, right? Do you have a Toyota Forerunner? I don't have a Toyota Forerunner. No. Do you know why I don't have a Toyota Forerunner? Why? Because they only seat five, and I got a family of six. Do so you want not- a Toyota Forerunner? I think in the perfect world, it'd be great to have a Toyota Forerunner. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. That that is your in a perfect world vehicle. I I, I think it's I think it's practical for the lifestyle that I live. Um, okay, it's called the Daily Forerunner. It's got fifteen point one thousand followers, and it just posts daily. Like here's a nice here's a nice one right there. It just posts daily photos of a forerunner. I've always thought that they were great. Uh, I have an understanding with my wife; she likes them too. She's okay with me following them on the internet. Um, if I had to pay to see forerunner content, I probably wouldn't. But I understand if somebody liked them so much that that if there was like a premium premium access forum or something like that. So I'm, I'm trying to relate it to something that I would do. Um, I am not in the market for a car. It's also impractical for me, but it doesn't hurt anybody if I'm looking. Right. Okay, Nobody gets hurt. So, but maybe I'm wasting right, so, a little bit of time. Maybe okay. I'm wasting so what a little you, time looking at forerunners on the internet. Okay, and I think okay, that okay, it, the just, argument could at least be made that if you have a car in the garage, you shouldn't be wasting all of your time looking at other cars on the internet. Okay. Sense. Yeah. So, but, but the question is, is this a good move for only fans? Because yes. I, I think the, you, you think that this is a good move for only fans? Yes. I, do. I think this is a terrible move for only fans because okay. the majority of their subscriber base is subscribing for stuff like this. Okay. So, so now you're cutting off of the lion's share of your money instead of just going to crypto because if they went to crypto they could keep everything as as is because they clearly don't have any moral judgments against it because they knew what this was they allowed it to happen and they and they've made more money than like they have made more money than they have expended so this is already a winning proposition for them. But how do they pivot into another business? Do you there? There's already a model for this on Patreon. You can get free content on YouTube. Like what kind of premium content that are people going to pay for that they can't get somewhere else already for free? You want put this podcast on OnlyFans. What are you talking about? There's a, there's a proven model in in Patreon already. Okay, I think the important thing for them was to get the brand recognition and the user base of 120 million plus to be able to say that there's other ways that we can use this without incurring the liability of pornography. That's what I think. I, do you remember how is when, pornography? Oh, a, see, okay, go on. Follow me. Follow, follow me here. Do you remember the early days of Facebook? Yes. Facebook, which is a community staple that comes preloaded on phones that they sell you all over the world, in its infancy was a way to rate whether or not pictures of your friends or your friends' friends were hot. That was like the primary feature that actually got people onto Facebook was that people could upload their photos and you could vote on whether or not they were hot. Facebook recognized that they were so much a part of the mainstream fabric that there were a lot of things that they needed to get rid of. I think okay. that if OnlyFans has a proven business model, then they could be maybe maybe they're more of a desti- destination for content than Patreon or um, or uh, better monetization on videos for some creators than YouTube, and perhaps it ends up being better for journalists than Substack. And you end up with people 
who used to fall prey to like the Bleacher Report or um, uh, what's the fan one? Um, who used to fall prey to that like intern based uh, create content on our behalf model to be able to create your own content for a fee the way that Substack and Patreon have allowed to, but because OnlyFans has this huge user base and they want to pivot to a little bit more legitimacy without the risk while keeping the accessibility of being able to use regular banking information because crypto, there's a line there for crypto. I'm one of those people who never got past the line. I used to place a bet here and there on sportsbook.ag, probably up through 2015 when I started covering college sports. And I didn't necessarily think that it was for me at the time, a good idea to be, to be doing both. Right. Um, when I went back recently to see if I even had any money in my account, you can only deposit through crypto. And I said to myself in that moment, um, because it, up till then I was living in Arizona and you couldn't bet on sports at all. Um, I said to myself in that moment, like, well, I'm probably not going to go through the process of having to convert all this stuff to crypto. So I'm probably not going to do it. I think that it actually creates a barrier of entry for a lot of people uh, and takes away a lot of ease of use. So if they want access to all of the banks and it, and it takes them getting rid of blatant pornography, um, then I think that it, that that's probably um, the right move for them. But yeah, but is this a good right. idea though? To b- because I do think that you're right that it has increased the number of people who do this for a living. I do agree with that. But but my question is: Is this good though? Because it now puts more people in danger, right? Because. <sighs> Well, I, I don't I, I don't I don't think the majority of people on OnlyFans would would have pimps or would be out there, you know, Heidi flies hoe in it or um or something like that. There I think are a that, lot of there are a lot of jobs available all over the country right now. And if people don't want to work in those industries, that's fine. But the idea that you're gonna be put in danger because labor is not available, especially low skilled labor. Hi, uh, there, there are high skill elements that go into sex work, such as marketing. But as far as the actual like stuff that you're doing is stuff that most people can do. Right. Yeah. It, I don't think you're going to remove people's ability to earn an income at all. Will it will it be greatly cut into? Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know people's individual situations. I do know that most of the fast food restaurants around me are paying 17 to 18 dollars an hour and are short staffed. And I do know that most of the big box stores. Yeah, but that's not what they want to do, Ralph. That they are they are creators. Okay, that's fine. There's also a bunch of other websites where you can do that, right? There's a bunch of other ones. OnlyFans is just the biggest. Yeah, but isn't 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 this sex shaming? Isn't this uh, uh, kink kink shaming, sex shaming? I think it's probably more liability respecting than anything else why do you what what what's the liability with that if banks won't do business with you because they don't feel like they can control because remember that story came out the other day of like Pornhub erased like half the content on its site in order to even be able to deal with banks yeah it's about it's about being able to control the content that gets put up um because if Banks won't process payments because they can't guarantee that they're not going to get wrapped up in a racketeering case. Yeah. Um, for stuff that happens against people's uh, will or under the age of consent or anything like that. Um, yeah. You know, and that, that's 
that's more than reason enough for the banks to say we we would rather since we have so little control we'd rather just not do business See, with you i remember i took a graduate course at stanford and they talked about pre-mortems that you should do a pre-mortem on your business uh what will put your business out of business before it goes out of business, like while things are still going well. And I remember like that just stuck with me. And they were saying part of it is like for for most businesses, it's like mismanagement, uh, letting your costs get too high in certain areas, not hiring the right people, uh, an industry change, market change, and you don't adapt stuff like stuff like that. But then there was the element of it where things that you can't control like there are some industries where you get legislated out of business where, you know, where Internet poker had gotten so big and then it got legislated out of business. And then um, like pe people who sold weed here in California, they got legislated out of business because then if you didn't open up your own shop, then then like then the, the laws that were created or changed impacted your business in such a way that it put your business out of business. So that's something that you can't control, but you do have to be aware of. And this is something that the creators for OnlyFans didn't have any control over. So like, I don't subscribe to the idea that all of a sudden that these people are going to be on the, on the street, you know, uh, prostituting, but I do believe that. But then that's why some of them have gotten their own websites. They have, you know, created ways to put out their content without using a company like like this. So they'll did find they not, a way to do it. Do they not give people a runway like it's not an immediate action, is it? No, no. It's like October 1st or something like that. Right. So you give people the opportunity to, to uh, appeal directly to their subscriber base to be able to hopefully capture people individually and, and, and run things themselves. Um, I don't know, man. So is I this just, an actual skill, like a creator? Do you know what I mean? Yes. There, I think that there is a lot of skill involved in keeping and holding people's attention. Um, and the reason that I say that is the only reason that we have celebrities in a celebrity obsessed culture is because writers and producers and filmmakers and studios and the actors themselves have all gotten together to form different ways to hold people's attention over a period of time long enough to advertise in the interim. Yeah. Right. So either to advertise in the interim or to pay a monthly subscription fee. So only fans is a, maybe a lower form with a less involved, um, way to hold people's attention and provide entertainment. But that's not to say that the legitimacy of it should be under fire. I think thousands of years of data show that this is something that people are, are extremely interested in. And, um, you know, it's just not, know, it's not something that I would do or pay for that. I'm not everybody and everybody's yeah. not me. So, but I, I do think that if you want to remain in existence and you are at the behest of the banks, I think it's okay to steer the ship toward um, toward a more legitimate pornography-free future, then again, 99.9% .9 of the people I see 
uh, talking about this are saying that OnlyFans is six months away from going out of business. And it would be so, like Taco Bell not showing, selling tacos or Burger King not selling burgers. Yep. We will see what ultimately happens with them. Um, but but then but then that goes into a, a quick, quick question before we change topics. Should the banks be like, is this people trying to play the moral po police? No, I think everything's done from a level of self-preservation. If there's money to be made, the banks are going to try to make money. Um, we saw before the housing crisis with, uh, with, uh, CDOs and, and, uh, um, <laughs> and tranches and, and swaps and all the other nonsense stuff that banks came up with in order to make a dime that ended up helping collapse the entire housing market. The bank is a casino and they will play the odds. They will do their absolute best to <clears throat> scrape every dime from every consumer that they possibly can. And they've always been that way. And they're also running a million different models on every different potential acceptable risk. And there's a reason that they haven't come around on defying federal law on marijuana. There's a reason that cash only businesses are, are you know, dispensaries are cash only businesses. Um, and I think that you're running into the same thing with um, certain gambling sites and all, all the stuff that's considered vice oriented. The bank can't be too close to because they open themselves up for some type of liability. So they're weighing whether or not the gamble's worth it. But yeah. they're going to gamble on your student loans. They're going to gamble on your home loan. They're going to gamble on all of these other things that don't make your life any more fun. Um, and and I think that it, it really comes down to an issue of self-preservation. And I think that's what it is for OnlyFans as well. I think they're trying to see how they can survive long term. Yeah. Um, all right. The next thing up. The speaking of surviving long term, the ACC, Pac-12 and Big Ten are supposed to announce an alignment alliance agreement over the next seven to 10 days. And we're trying to see what that's going to look like. And from what we've gathered that this is supposed to that don't expect a big scheduling announcement that there's going to be some like, oh, Ohio State, Oregon every single year or USC, Michigan or or Clemson, Washington. Nope. Don't expect that initially. What you should, though, expect is that there's going to be some. That there's going to be a united stance against the SEC and for those conferences to make sure that they don't have schools that are poached and also that they up their money the way they can play against the SEC and actually, you know, be bigger and badder than the SEC, which would actually be pretty dope. So you like it? Oh, God, I love it. I love it. Is there anything more uniting than having a common enemy? No, that's very helpful. It's very helpful. Enemy of my enemy is my friend, or at least at the, at the very least, somebody that, that I'll, that I'll tolerate to, um, you know, this is the whole Avengers versus Thanos thing, right? This SEC or Nick Saban in general is Thanos. And then all of Thanos's minions, I guess would be the rest <laughs> of the, the rest of the teams. Um, and, and you're going to have to, for the sake of survival, you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to show a united front. But what's interestingly absent from this united front is the Big 12. 
which makes you think that this is ultimately going to be the end of the Big 12. Oh, there, what what use is there talking to, to them? They got nothing going, dude. They have nothing that anybody wants except for Kansas basketball. And but then if you take Kansas basketball, you got to take Kansas football, which is a zit, which is a net negative. Oh, and I mean, over the last five years, you can make the argument that Texas Tech basketball is up there with any program in the country. So there's, I mean, they've got some decent stuff there. Oh, I think Oklahoma State has a has a pretty decent um, record as far as their coffers and the passion that that, that surrounds their fan base. And um, can, didn't Cade Cunningham just come out of Oklahoma? Oklahoma State. State? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, so you got a number one pick. You got a Final Four team. You got Kansas basketball. So, you got uh, TCU and Baylor football. And then oh, Baylor oh, women's basketball. That really there's some moves good things the in the pack. There are some good things in okay. the Big Twelve. It doesn't matter if they move the needle or not. They could but find a way has to fortify to what the they needle. have. It has to move the needle because money matters. So they're they're going to end up as part of like the the AAC. That's what that's what they're going to have to do, because if you're the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, I'm not coming to come save you. I will help myself, but I'm not say I'm not throwing life preservers out to do you a solid. Would it be stupid for a team like Cincinnati or Memphis to try to join the Big 12 right now? No, hell no. That would be they would make more money in the Big 12. Right. Then they need to do something. The Big 12 needs to do something. They need to go and get Memphis. They need to go and get Cincinnati, and they need to just yeah. Because doing anything with the other conferences is not going to happen. The best shot for the Big Twelve right now would be to find a way to get some revenge, get one of these teams that aren't Oklahoma and Texas in the playoff in the short term. The best revenge. Mm. The best revenge. They can get like Iowa State in. Hell yeah! Everybody needs to be a Matt Campbell and Brock Purdy fan. If if you are if you are a Big Twelve supporter or you don't want your conference to just collapse or you don't want the uncertainty of not knowing where Texas Christian or Baylor is going to be next year, then you got to look at Iowa State and say like, yeah, I'm going to root for my team against Iowa State, but again, Iowa State against anybody else. I yeah, but if but if Iowa game. State goes and plays well and then recruits well, then one of the other big conferences is going to be like, hey, yo, come on over. You're you're clearly on on the uptick, buddy. So I don't think it helps the whole conference as a, yeah. as a whole. Or Iowa State can say, all right, I'm your new Texas. Let me make me. more. Mm. Let me be let me let me be the cornerstone of the new Big Twelve. Follow my yeah. lead. Ames, Iowa. Let's do this. And I, some people might be just laughing and thinking that that's completely ridiculous. But these schools became a brand name through that exact process. Yep. That's how they got there was winning over time. And the stakes are really high right now. People remember if Iowa, Iowa State just won a Fiesta Bowl. Uh, if they that can, was in a pandemic year. We're not, we're not going to talk <laughs> okay, about that. That's fine. But if they level up from that point, if they level up from that point, then everybody's going to be talking about them. As, everybody's wanted Iowa State to be legitimate for the last 15 years. Anytime Iowa State has a seven and five season, people are like, look out, here they come. And they never do. But this time they actually have that opportunity. Yep. That could be really for the Big 12. Yeah, I agree with you there too. Um, but see, the my only <laughs> the when I first saw that they were gonna have an alliance agreement, it made me think about the office 
when Jim convinced Dwight Schrute, well, D- Dwight Schrute approached uh, Jim about being in an alliance in it in an alliance because there was going to be downsizing. And then Jim was playing Dwight the whole entire time. And I'm just hoping that the Pac-12 is not Dwight Schrute in this situation. That's all. That's all. They're, they're not. I, I just. I. I think the whole thing's useless. I think it's pointless. I don't like it. What? If it's not. If it's not going to include a scheduling element. If it it's going to include a scheduling, a scheduling element, element. Yeah, I think that it's going to. But yeah, I mean, I think it's just lip service. Um, I think it's, it, and I think it's pretty hollow unless. Well, well the, I th- unless. I think their yeah. biggest power is going to be influencing the uh, college football playoff expansion because the 12 team playoff, if I'm the other conferences, I'm like, hold up, slow down player. I don't trust this because you knew that Greg Sankey was okay with it because he was getting Texas and Oklahoma to come over. Cause he's like, we might be able to get like four, five, four, five, six teams in every year. Like yeah. we got so, enough big names and leverage. So the other conferences are going to be trying to cut out all of the, all of the fat. And hopefully they, that causes us to end up with an expansion to the number that I want of eight. And you're right. Nothing would piss the sec off more at this point in time than an eight team playoff with five of the teams. Uh, well, six getting automatic births. Including a group with, of five. Yep. Yeah, if six teams got an automatic berth in an eight-team playoff, the SEC, which was against expansion in the first place, would they get be two furious. teams every year for the most part? Yeah, they all, but they already do. They already do, and it nothing would change probably if they only got one at-large spot. Yeah. So, and, and that's where they would be like. So, Texas and Oklahoma. It don't seem that all that attractive to move now, right? Yeah, you have to de-incentivize that type of movement to save your own skin. Yeah. So if if that that then yes, then it's not just hollow if everybody can band together to say eighteen playoff with uh, guarantees for the conference winner. Even though I think guarantees yeah. for the conference Texas winner and Oklahoma would throw boring. up in their mouth. They would be like, "We came over here." Well, actually, o- o- Oklahoma they might be fine. But Texas, they couldn't win the Big 12. So what do you think is going to happen when you get over to the SEC? It'd be interesting. I'm, I'm just the, the one thing I'm excited about is them being forced to play A&M every year. Mm, yes. Yes. Um, well, I wish Nebraska would be forced to play Oklahoma every year um, <laughs> and make Scott Frost permanent head coach. Um, all right. The next thing up. Man, this was a crazy situation because uh, I remember watching it um, on a on, on a special about the murder uh, that happened at the University of, of, of Brian Peta, a University of Miami football player who got murdered 15 years ago. And there was always speculation about who it was. Well, the guy who everybody thought it was, Rashawn Jones, got arrested after 15 years of being able to just live scot-free. And this story is crazy. Like, this is even, I think, even more scandalous than the Baylor situation where they had another, where they had a player kill another player. I, I, I because it just happened like right in the damn dorms, basically. 
Yeah. This is the whole thing's terrible. I somehow missed the ESPN story that dropped in November. I don't know if yeah, you saw it. I where saw he, it. They ultimately named Rashawn Jones as uh, somebody the police were looking at, and then and now the arrest has been made. Um, I, I definitely was surprised. I, I didn't know that they that they had somebody. I, yeah. And I also didn't yeah. know that some of this stuff was going on with like people going back to the cemetery and leaving leaving items on his tombstone like they were still upset with him or just trolling the police. I didn't know any of this stuff was happening. And so yeah. th- this whole thing caught me by surprise because I missed the ESPN story the first time around. Yeah. So this happened November 7, 2006. He was shot and killed outside of his apartment in Kendall, Florida, after leaving uh, practice earlier that that day. And um, but his his uh, former teammate, Rashawn Jones, was arrested yesterday. And I was like, bro, imagine if, if, if he's the one who did it. Imagine how frustrating that this has to be for his family of Peta who has to know that this dude is running free. And so many people are like, no, he did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, he had a twin named Edric. Brian Peta had a twin named Edric who had commented that, that they weren't giving them any in information on the investigation. Um, I think he had another brother named Edwin, who's currently at the university of Miami working as an assistant recruiting coordinator um, stuff got so bad that his mother and sister had to like move his remains. I mean, yes, it, they, they've been going through hell. They've been going through absolute hell. Um, you know, it, the thing, some of the things about Brian paid are really interesting because you've told me the ways that players um, have the ability to make money in college. You shared some of those things with me. And Brian paid, was a guy who drove an infinity while in college um, he had, uh, uh, he restored and sold cars, um, did some clubbing stuff on, on the side. And so he, I mean, he, he and found he was a ways projected to, second or third round pick in the upcoming right. draft. Right. He's a very, very good player for, for the university of Miami, um, in what I consider to be their heyday of the early to mid two thousands. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. And I think they all came over from Haiti, so it was even. I, I'm, this whole situation is, whole situation is crazy. Um, but uh, for for the police, I, I I am very curious at this point in time what the police feel like they know now in 2021 that they didn't know any time in the last 15 years. Yeah. Yep. They probably got somebody on tape. Something like uh, that, but uh, but you guys will put a link in the description to the ESPN article. It's one of those like video interactive articles, like we just saw with the um, Paul Wolf, yeah, uh, former head coach at Washington State, where they found his mother's body after she was missing for forty one years. So they they put a, a lot of work into the presentation of the article as well. Yeah, it was really really good. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist. And 
and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The next thing up, it is time for Cancel or Consequence. Do we need to cancel? Cancel. Or is there a justified consequence? Let's find out now. And cancel or consequence is the point in time where we talk about something that has gone on out in the world and we tell you whether this person is being canceled or they are receiving consequences. Today's cancer or consequence person is Mike Richards. He was going to be the host of Jeopardy, who was going to replace Alex Trebek. And mind you, there have been countless people who had, well, not countless because you can actually count them, but there have been a lot of people who had interviewed for the job, including Aaron Rodgers, LeVar Burton, which who everybody wants, the reading rainbow dude, as the Jeopardy host, sounds perfect to me. 
Uh, but uh, Mike Richards and this young lady were going to be the host of the show. He just so happens to be the executive producer of the show as well. And it was like, yo, we we interviewed everybody and then we came up with I just so happened to be the best best host. And he's hosted other shows as well. So I thought it was already fishy that he got the job. But, you know, what do you think about him stepping down right now? Cancel culture. We don't we don't come to this verdict very often. But my my initial submission, unless you're willing to provide me more, is that this is something where people were glad to have found things from his past uh, because they. Didn't oh, want yeah, him yeah, to be in that yeah, role. yeah. What what was it that, that came out about his past? Um, he the shows that he's been a producer on. So he's actually hosted shows before before he yeah. ended up a longtime producer of The Price is Right and of Jeopardy. Uh, he hosted Beauty and the Geek, which was, I think, on the WB, about 15, yeah, 16 or, years. I yeah, WB or CW, one of the two. Yeah. So Ashton Kutcher produced Beauty and the Geek, and Mike Richards hosted it. He's one of those guys around Hollywood who um, you probably could have known as just a game show host for the last few years. But he's served as an executive producer, putting together stuff for Jeopardy and putting together stuff for The Price is Right. <laughs> Um, apparently he had a bunch of different instances in which he was pretty unkind to women, uh, who are part of the prices, right. Who were having babies. So just uh, like not, not being very open to the idea of maternal needs and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then somebody went through every appearance he's ever made on anything. Uh, somebody works for the ringer and found him, uh, Back in 2013 and 2014, when he hosted a podcast called The Random Show with random spelled R-A-N-D-U-M-B, that he repeatedly used offensive language and talked about women's bodies. Um, the Ringer reported this, and then the whole podcast got taken down, and then Mike Richards pretty quick after was like, hey, I think that this is probably a distraction for everybody involved. This is this is his note to the internal staff of Jeopardy. Dear team, it pains me that these past incidents and comments have cast such a shadow on Jeopardy as we look to start a new chapter. As I mentioned last week, I was deeply honored to be asked to host the syndicated show and was thrilled by the opportunity to expand my role. However, over the last several days, it has become clear that moving forward as host would be too much of a distraction for our fans and not the right move for the show. As such, I will be stepping down as host effective immediately. As a result, we will be canceling production today. Uh, they will continue to resume. They will resume a search for a permanent syndicated host. In the meantime, we'll bring back guest hosts to continue production for the new season. Details of which will be announced next week. I want to apologize to each of you for one-on-one and negative attention that has come to jeopardy over the last few weeks. And for the confusion and delays this is now causing, I now have a lot of work to do to regain your trust and confidence, Mike. So it looks like he's planning on staying on as an executive producer. He's saying that he was asked to host. I guess was based on deserving it and merit and comfort of the staff is what he's implying here. Um, and not a, a, a thing where, where he was able to pull the strings from behind the scenes. Um, and yeah. And so they're going to move forward and have guest hosts for a whole new season. I wish they'd just make that permanent to be honest. Yeah. No, no, not the guest hosts. You need, why not? One. Why not? Mm-hmm. It worked for KFC with a different Colonel Sanders every two months for their ad campaign why no way, bro. why would that not re- renew interest in jeopardy if every two weeks you had a new host because people like familiar familiarity 
They like familiarity. They People want, want – first of all, nobody watches Jeopardy. Everyone, I watch everyone, Jeopardy. Right, you probably watch Jeopardy like everybody else does, either on, on, on DVR, right? Nobody watches live runs of Jeopardy. Correct. Nobody under 50. This is what's driving me nuts. I love Jeopardy. <laughs> I love I, – I genuinely love Jeopardy. I understand the nostalgia. I cried with my son. My oldest son and I both shed a tear when Alex Trebek passed away. I watched okay. Jeopardy at the foot of my grandmother's lazy boy as, as a young kid all the way up through when I was much taller and bigger than her until her and my grandfather passed away. We watched it at 4.30, and then sometimes when my grandfather was doing stuff and he couldn't, I'd catch the rerun at 6.30 with him and watch it twice. I love Alex Trebek. I love Jeopardy. I love quiz shows. All of that stuff. However, like everybody else my age, we're just nostalgic. That's why people want LeVar Burton. They don't care whether he was the best host or not. Most people I know didn't even watch when he was on. They just want it. Everybody is claiming to have some sort of investment in this process when the truth is I haven't watched a non-DVR episode of Jeopardy in 20 years. What does it matter whether it's DVR or not? If you watch it, you watch it. It's on my DVR right now. Most people, most people that have expanded energy to have an opinion on this Jeopardy situation have expanded more energy to have an opinion on the situation than they have to consume the actual show. That is my theory. That now are just nostalgic. Nobody gave a shit whether Mike Richards had a checkered past or not. They wanted him out. And when they found reasons, they used it to justify a thing they already felt. Yeah. And that's what I would agree with that is. I would agree with that. That cancel he, culture it, is going looking. Uh, cancel culture is going and looking for hidden treasure because you wanted to look for hidden treasure, and when you find it, that's a bonus. But that's how you're going to spend your time anyway. Okay, so trying so to get this guy kicked of off it, the show. Okay, so how much of it is his own fault, though? The fact that he treated people poorly. How much of that is is his own fault? Because there is an element of okay, you treated people poorly. You there there should be some redemption value because if you did it and you're like, yo, I've changed the way I did did everything, blah, blah, blah. I did do those things. I was I mean, you look at the Bible, some of the biggest people, some people who became disciples used to kill Christians like that doesn't mean that you can't change. So it's like how much of this and I don't know if he's changed or not. He may not have. Which which would be warranted, but there has to be some like I don't think that this is all cancel culture. I think that part of it is, but that probably maybe like 70, 30, 70 canceled, 30 percent consequence because he did this. Right. He did it. Here's what I'll say. Remember when the whole Me Too movement thing happened and it just like straight up cleared out an entire rung of people within Hollywood who. Yeah. Who, for, for too long have been getting away with bad behavior, right? Yes. And somebody made a really salient point when all that happened is like, hey, that's all well and good that it's happening for these people, but the level at which it actually needs to happen are the people, the hostesses who go to work and they have to deal with loser restaurant managers who hit on them even though they're 17 and make lists of all the people at the restaurant they think they can bang and all the stuff that we all know exists, right? 
it's happening for all of these well-to-do people on the upper rung of society, but it's not happening for the people that need it. The only reason that Mike Richards got bounced from this show is that a bunch of super nostalgic people who don't watch Jeopardy anyway wanted somebody else to be the host. And so they were they they got lucky. They got lucky that the thing they wanted lined up with the fact that this guy had a checkered past. There's a lot of people out there with a checkered past. I don't know what the line is as far as redeeming people or showing grace for them to be able to continue to have opportunities in television. Mike Richards is going to continue to work as an executive yeah. producer on Jeopardy. So he's not being canceled. What? So that's, but, but this, this is my point. It's cancel culture. If people stop chasing after him now, nobody cared that he was an executive producer. Oh, at Jeopardy. Yeah. They just didn't want him to be the fucking host. That's a good point, Ralph. Damn. I'm hey, questioning bro. people's motivation on the, like, do you yeah, because, really want because women the, to be treated better? Or do you want Jordy from Star Trek to be the guy you look at in the one time you watch Jeopardy this and year? Then, when you act and like that's the other point is how many of the people who are screaming about this are going to watch Jeopardy regularly enough to, to that their opinion should, should actually matter? None of them. None of them. Ken Jennings, maybe. <laughs> Jeopardy right. is still incredibly popular, and I I also consume it. But again, the people it is on a time slot where people over fifty can enjoy it. Yes. All of the people that all all of the uh, internet scandal chasers that have blown this up into a really big thing probably aren't home at 4.30 watching this show. They probably catch it when it's on. They DVR it. They watch an episode here and there. But their investment in this has become happened because the system got democratized in some way to where they felt like they were invested in making the choice moving forward. It was always going to be up to a select handful of people. Yeah, always. Which is why I think they should just continue to do it this way. It is the most interest that there's been in in jeopardy is Dude. the rotating host. They should just continue to rotate. No, the host. no, no, no. You, you rotate the host until you find a host and then you stick with that person. That's like when Bob Barker stepped down, if they didn't uh, give it to Drew Carey and they just kept rotating hosts for uh, two years, the, the, the show would die. It needs somebody that they can get attached to and fall in love with. Just saying. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The next thing up, the best of social media, where we literally show you the best of social media. Now, 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 now. here's the best of social media. We're starting today with actually the worst of social media. And this is Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick out of Texas on the Laura Ingram show. Coming after your state uh, really quickly here and as a response coming after your state because the increased COVID numbers, hospitalizations, deaths are up in Texas uh, and there's a direct assault on your governor's policies and your state's policies. Very brief response. Yeah. Well, Laura, the the COVID is spreading, particularly uh, most of the numbers are with the unvaccinated, and the Democrats like to blame Republicans on that. Well, the biggest group in most states are African-Americans who have not been vaccinated. The last time I checked, over 90% of them vote for Democrats in their major cities and major counties. So it's up to the Democrats to get, just as it's up to Republicans, to try to get as many people vaccinated. But we respect the fact that if people don't want the vaccination, we're not going to force it on them. That's their individual right. But in terms of criticizing the Republicans for this. We're encouraging yeah. people who want to take it to take it, but they're doing nothing for the Afri- African-American community that has a, a significant high yeah. number of unvaccinated TikTok people. TikTok videos. So they need we, got to of, yeah. we got a lot of TikTok. Yes. I was like, excuse me, you MFing liar. First thing is, is that this dude said the biggest group of, of People unvaccinated is African-Americans. That's a lie. We're like 13% of the population in the entire country. First thing. Now, let's get to the state of Texas. Per the Census Bureau, 50% of unvaccinated people in Texas are white, non-Hispanic. There are three unvaccinated white adults for every one unvaccinated black adult in Texas. 
One in three COVID cases in Texas have been amongst white individuals. So to turn this into a, a oh, Democrat, Republican, black people vote for Democrat. That, dude, it's BS. It's bullshit, dude. And the latest data from the Texas Department State of Health Services shows that African-American population, that they're that they're not driving the increases that black residents of Texas account for 16.4 percent of the state's cases and 10.2 percent of the deaths as of August 13th. And while vaccination rates are low amongst black Texans, the highest coronavirus cases are amongst whites and Hispanics that make up 34.9 and 34 and 35.8 of the state's cases, respectively. And COVID cases there have, have risen there 17 percent in the last week and deaths are up nearly 60 percent. This is racist as hell trying to blame. Dude, it, I, I just was like, I will punch you in the face. Because people do this and the fact that people listen to it and think that it's true. Where are all the damn do your research people at now? Go look at the damn, uh, you don't even have to trust the CDC site. Go look at your local state, your, your the, the, the Texas Republican state. The numbers that they put out clearly say something completely different. I, 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 I can't, Ralph. I just can't. I just can't just the fact that people listen to this and believe it is absolute nonsense. George, I don't understand what's so controversial about saying that if Democrats focused on on helping blacks learn how diseases work, that we'd all be singing Kumbaya. <laughs> what's controversial about that? Exactly, bro. Bro. Uh, yeah. It really sounds like they're calling y'all children. Like if the Democrats would just get their blacks in, like it just. Yes. And I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I don't, if, it, if they would get their blacks in order. Here, here's what I know from my personal life. There are there are black people in my personal life who are having a hard time wrapping their minds around the idea of a coordinated government effort to help them that involves vaccinations correct there are native american people in my life and in my own family who are having a hard time wrapping their minds around the idea that the government is in a hurry to inoculate them um based on some of the stuff that they grew up being taught by their own families that is a hurdle that was placed on the track decades ago it's not partisan it has nothing to do with anybody who currently exists in government right now. These are the wounds and scars of the past, and they need to be addressed and talked about in a much more delicate manner than 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 this. It is a matter of education, and it is a matter of a community coming together in it of itself to do that education. It can't just be it can't just be top down. We created a hurdle 60 years ago. You can't just walk on the track and automatically remove it. Like, yeah, that's not that that's not going to happen now. As far as the other side of the aisle, my conservative brothers and sisters, they have been sold a bill of goods on the efficacy of vaccines, the 
purpose of the media, the um, the intention of the data. I was having a conversation with somebody on social media yesterday, and they said, I made a choice not to believe any of this. The media is just out to scare us. The data has been faked. Um, I believe in uh, in in vaccines, but I don't want to be told uh, that I that I need to take them. We just need to learn to live with the virus. That's the most responsible and re- respectable view. And even then, I got some serious disagreements with the absolutes and the and the inattention to the data that exists well, in in those things. You the, know, my conservative that the data, friend, and may- you you know for a fact that I got a lot of conservative friends who are refusing yeah. this vaccine because their family will be upset with them if they get it. It's not even that they don't want the vaccine; it's that they believe that if they get the vaccine, that they're telling their family, "I don't respect you, and you're in the wrong." And that's that's pretty scary. That's why, as a country, we're only at fifty one point nine percent of people fully vaccinated at this time. Dude, the idea, though, like this is the thing that lets you know that this is a serious problem, right? That coronavirus is a serious problem. And that is that now the people who were so against vaccination, right? are now or even on OAN, on Fox News, all this stuff. You have people touting and Republican governors and uh, uh, e- even this dude urging people to get vaccinated, Dan Patrick, urging people to get vaccinated. And that lets you know that in such a day and age where we have gotten so divided that when you have them coming together on a particular topic, you know, it's getting real like that, that yeah. now there's a common enemy of COVID that, th- that people can't even fight against each other about it anymore. They have to fight the actual thing that lets you know that it's gotten that serious. We yesterday, we hit 1700 plus deaths in the country on a single day for the first time since April. Um, there are 17,200 people in Florida who are currently hospitalized with COVID. How, how many? Over 17,200 plus. Okay. And that was as of yesterday. Uh, the number of hospitalized people under the age of 30 is, with COVID has, is 30% higher than it ever was at this current point in time uh the the overall cases and spread have made this the second biggest of the three spikes that we've had since the beginning of this pandemic we are our seven day average of cases on august 19th 2021 is 144,000 per day on august 19th of last year do you want to know what that was what was that when we were like canceling school and taking high school football and moving it to the spring and making sure that everybody who was a student was able to take laptops home. Yeah. Okay. A hundred thousand less per day. This point in time last year, a hundred thousand less over a seven average. They, they have no choice, but to get serious because if, if, if you want to make things completely political, if you don't convince your base to be inoculated and the data is overwhelming at this point that nine in 10 people who are making it into a hospital are unvaccinated and that the, the numbers are rising amongst 
uh, kids and young adults. And that even overall, if you want to say that this disease is really somebody that's affected people um, 85 years and older who were going to die anyway, if you want to be that callous, you still need to understand that one in five deaths is still people who are under the retirement age. One in five is still people who had 15 to 20 years left to enjoy their lives. Yeah. And so at some point, the data gets so overwhelming and the hospitals get so full. There are five states right now across the American South where over 90 percent of emergency rooms are full, including Alabama, which is at 99 percent. And Alabama, coincidentally, has the lowest vaccination rates in the entire country at well under 40 percent. Texas is under the national average by about 6%. Nobody at this point in time should try to be uh, using a crisis to score political points, and nobody should be proud of themselves. Nobody. Not even Vermont, which is at 68% and by far the highest uh, inoculated adult population in the country. No one should be taking any time to pat themselves on the back or point fingers or decide that it's black people that are getting us all sick or whatever else Dan Patrick wants to try to insinuate, whether it's blaming Democrats or whatever. Everybody needs to be on the same page or we are going to continue to go down this very scary road. Because like so many people have said, yes, we do need to learn to live with the virus, but we need the breathing room in order to figure out how to live with the virus. Because if there is one national crisis that is coming right now, and George, you know this from the people you have in your personal life, there's one national crisis that's on its way right now. Um, according to my Facebook feed, anyway, it is nursing burnout. All of my friends that are nurses who have managed my, to keep my, it together. My sister's a nurse, dude, and she is a traveling nurse. So she goes from from different cities that n- need her services. But the her one saving grace right now is that she's pregnant. So uh, so she'll be um, out of the workforce in just a couple months. And 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 every nurse that I know, even the ones who stayed strong for the last eighteen months, let me read you. I'm a, I, in fact, I want to read you. I want to read you a post of somebody that I've known since I was eight years old, who is a nurse. They are a nurse in a major, major city on the West Coast. And this is what they had to say. And this is one of many things. And I'm not mining Facebook for what are actual societal facts, but I'm saying this goes a long way to sum up what I'm hearing. My stepmother's a nurse. We have a lot of people in my family who are in the nursing profession. Everybody's facing some level of burnout. But this one girl that I'm referring to has stayed very strong throughout the entire thing, hasn't spoke up, hasn't said a word. Here's what she posted yesterday at one in the morning. I'm on the verge of tears and just over everything, and it just keeps getting worse. I have another nursing friend who posted today like, hey, please, please don't use the emergency room for anything. Anything. Uh, She posted a selfie 13 hours ago outside a hospital that said this mama is tired and also said we're getting two, three, and four people at the same time. And if somebody comes into the ER, you have to understand that there's like eight or nine nurses that all have to attend to that same person coming into the ER. So she said, please save the ER for true emergencies. Yeah. And like that, these are all my friends that are friends nurses who are have melting kids, down. I have friends who have kids who are sick and they've been sent back home and they may not be in good shape, not because of COVID, but because their kid is sick, but there's no room. So so the, the hospitals are trying to prioritize people who are going to die immediately. So that just means that people will get sick at home. Just so th- this is a, just a disaster that keeps perpetuating itself. 
Um, but now we will continue on the best of social media. Th- this is still a tragic story, but at least you will laugh. This is at a baseball game and a kid tries to catch a 106 mile an hour exit velocity ball. He's there with his glove, but this kid, there's See, a reason why this kid. catching oof, off the hat, <laughs> but thank God appears Yankees okay. Fan. There's a reason why that kid is at the game and not at the Little League World Series. If you knew that getting hit in the head would mean like the team would come and do a photo op with you and give you a signed bat and stuff like that, would you take the ball to the face? No. Dude, balls to the face hurt. Okay. And then you we'll can make sure you... that that's the clip that we share. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. And and now you have the email address for the man who does it. So, oh, damn it. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, all right. The next thing up, Joel Embiid just signed a max contract. And here is Joel Embiid in high school on JV. He was still almost as big as he is now. But uh, look how terrible he was, though, which makes it funny that now he's a a $200 million man, actually $300 million man, really, because uh, when you add up all the money prior to that. Bro, that was Joel Embiid, and he actually posted, he was like, he laughed at it. Like, well, there was a reason I was on JV. <laughs> so, I he's, thought that was- uh, He's great. I've... He's become a little bit of a, a of a NBA enemy. Like I, 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 he talked too much before the success came, and so I almost root for uh, him uh, to to get busted by some of these other players that I like. However, it is undeniable how good he's gotten, and that video is pretty funny. I mean, if, if, if that That's video can be that way. video, yeah, that video is more motivating than the story about Jordan getting cut from his JV team. Yes. Exactly. Yes, because because he should have been cut from the JV team, except for he was six foot thirty, so he was still uh, so he he still had value. All right, the last thing on the best of social media. Oh no no no! The second to last thing on the best of social media is this. Um, this is actually sad. Damn, best of social media has been pretty sad today. Is um sorry. <laughs> this is a high school close to Ralph's house. Because they, oh, you put they had, this in best of social media. God dang! I know. I didn't re- realize I was being a, a a masochist today. This is the worst of social media. So tell us what what this is, Ralph. So this is Pisca High School. Um, it flooded the the river next to the little town, a couple hours north of me. Um, flooded and there's like 30 people missing or that are unaccounted for uh for this western north carolina flood and what i'm actually looking for is if there's any way to support the school um because the athletic director in haywood county of, of it's pisgah high school says that every single athletic field at the entire school is devastated that it's all been completely ruined fencing around the stadium is down uh, and debris is all over the area Uh, the concession stand is demolished Um, it says that we will not have any home games this year at our stadium 
um, and it should be a significant uh, revenue loss for us because the largest gate that they have uh, every year is their rivalry game, and, and that's supposed to be a home game this year. Um, so it said we need cleanup crews and lots of prayers. Material things can be replaced, but for our students, we're strong. We've been through this before. We'll battle back and be stronger than ever. Um, and if there's anything that our athletic department can do for our kids, we certainly will. I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to to uh, put this out because this is somewhere where where um, my kids and I have gone up and went hiking over the last four months that we that we moved up here. Um, this is something that if I find out anything, any way. I can actually probably just reach out to this athletic director myself. And if there's any way that, uh, that, that can help, I'm sure we can, we can put that out there and share that for people. Cause that, that stinks for every team in the whole school is not gonna be able to play any home games this year. I mean, I've seen that happen in, in other places that happened at Tucson high school a couple of years down in Arizona. Um, but, but you know, this is, this is pretty rough because you know, a lot of these kids didn't have a fall season last year and they were getting ready to kick off today. Today's kickoff day in North Carolina and they're not going to be able to play any home games. Yep. All right. The last thing up in the best of social media is this. I've been waiting on this one for a day that we had time to get it in. And uh, this was an ad. I believe it was on Facebook or somewhere. And um, (laughs) uh, Ralph showed, showed me this a while ago and then he forgot about it. The ad is it says breast milk for sale or trade over 600 ounces of breast milk from June and July selling for one dollar per ounce. Deep freezer is full drug and alcohol free. No covid vaccine or exposure Um, willing to sell the bag uh, six ounce to 10 ounce bags or trade for a Sig 938 uh, Texas best. I won't judge. Feed your kid, make crafts, drink it, whatever. Wife makes too much and there's no more room in the freezer. First thing, this person has no idea how big of a caviar problem that this is. Like having too much breast milk? Yeah. My my stepmom actually did a lot of work as a lactation consultant and like people would pay her money to and and cry on her shoulder that they weren't able to feed their own kids. Yes. They dude, like, couldn't figure it out. Like, yes, dude. Yeah. That, yes, th- this is a real issue. But I also know people who buy breast milk. Professional athletes, particularly football players, are in the market for breast milk because it is supposed what? to what? help the. No, dead ass serious, bro. Um, <laughs> really? Yes. One of one of my teammates. Well, not one of my teammates, but one uh, a friend of mine. His teammate was buying breast milk. Because from another teammate's wife, because it helps with uh, or supposedly is supposed to help with brain health and against concussions and stuff like that. So he would use the so he bought the breast milk to like eat his cereal and his Cheerios to dip his milk in, dip his cookies in and all of that, because it was going to help his brain. He believed there are people that believe that that the same way that breast milk gives children antibodies and all of this stuff that it can help grown adults as as well so that liquid gold is very valuable but the fact that he wants to trade it for a gun is is interesting i mean you don't know unless you put it all out there right that's that that's the that's the benefit of being super specific on your christmas uh list that you send to santa claus uh because if you if you put if you write down video game you don't know what you're going to get right yeah um 
I will say this. I got I've got four kids. I wouldn't I would not judge a single person who needed that, thought it was the best thing for their kid and made that trade. You'd certainly have to be doing it on trust. It better not be somebody who's skeptical of vaccines. Yes. Because like, you're, you're out here buying randos uh, frozen breast milk and you, and you won't go get the vaccine that then I got an issue with that. Um, I would not judge anybody. I would probably have judgment for people who had a weird fetish and were going to sip on it themselves. If you were a professional athlete, you were going to bathe in it or do whatever you wanted with it. I mean, <laughs> bathe. Yeah. I guess it's not any weirder than drinking regular milk. I remember I read an interview with Jack LaLanne one time. Isn't that the guy? That's yes. Valley's yes. Where he's like okay. a thousand years old. Yeah. 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 And he, I mean, he died a little while back, I think, but yeah. he, I don't think he drank milk or ate any dairy. And somebody asked him why, and he goes, because I'm done growing. Milk is to help babies grow. Do I look like a baby? <laughs> yeah. And that always like, and I, I you know, I was eating a, I, I'm eating a quesadilla uh, earlier today. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that, I, I get it. Like, I think, I think Jack LaLanne probably has a point there. Um, so maybe it's not any weirder than, than doing that. But I don't know, man. Again, like the OnlyFans thing. I don't think that's for me. I don't think I'd be making any trades for any breast milk. Why not, Ralph? Why not? Um, uh, you guys, that's Reister or Wrong for the day. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Hamsden. Peace out. Catch you guys on Monday. Go back and listen to all the previous episodes, interviews, and the, Reist- and the uh, Pac-12 Apostles podcast as well. Peace out. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.